Welcome to episode 235 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, welcome along to episode 235 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Isles and today's show is going to be a, bit, a little bit of a different one because John's actually not in the studios and I'm in the studios all by myself but we've actually recorded three interviews uh, for today's show. Uh, before we get into that I'll just quickly talk about the sponsors. We have Athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes. Coffees of Hawaii, the world's best tasting coffee from one of the world's best locations. And Extreme Endurance, the, the product that helps you buffer your lactic threshold. So, on this week's show we have three interviews. We have another one of our age groupers, who is the top age grouper, and uh, we just, we're doing kind of a series on that right now, and John talks to him about what makes him successful as an athlete. Then we have Pete Jacobs. Uh, I managed to get online with Pete Jacobs and have a bit of a chat about his Kona and Harry's going and everything, and then we at the end we have an interview which John and I did about three weeks ago with Keegan Williams, the Kiwi Ironman who was racing with Brett Sutton for a long time, so uh, he just kind of gives some insight into the Brett Sutton world, so so there won't be any of the regular kind of high fives or anything there today, but uh, yep, we've got lots of interviews for you, so I'm going to chuck it on. The first interview is with a guy called Scott, and he's a top age grouper, and John's going to interview him right now and find about what makes him successful as an age grouper. Here we go. Okay, on today's show, we're carrying on with our theme of uh, profiling some age groupers who are excelling at age group racing, um, but they have the added disadvantage, I guess you could say, of having um, other things going on in their life. They're not full-time age groupers. They've got families, jobs, um, careers, and uh, yet they still manage to succeed, and uh, we just want to hear from them why that is. So on today's show, we've got Scott Iatt, which I'm probably going to pronounce that wrong, but I think I got it pretty close, um, and uh, welcome along to the show, Scott. Oh, hey, great, John. Uh, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, you pronounced it right. Very good. Very good. Going straight to the top of the class. Um, so Scott's got a bit of a, ba- a strong background. You know, he's finished uh, in Kona. He's done a, a 9:29, which is bloody amazing time. Um, finishing eighth in his age group and 90 in the top 100 overall. He's 33 years old. He's got a full-time job. He's got two young kids and a wife, and does a bit of coaching as well. So I guess you know a, a similar-ish sort of profile to um, Sean, who we interviewed a few weeks ago. So Scott, maybe give us a bit of your background into. Um, pre-triathlon days and um, and sort of where you've come from. Yeah, um, well, like, you know, most most age groupers, I grew up playing the team sports. Baseball and football were pretty much all I did at a very young age and then through high school. Um, and when I went on to college, uh, I, I really didn't play in college with the exception of some intramural activities. Yeah. Um, and then after college, I kind of, you know, I was always active. I wanted to stay active, so I started running. And uh, that kind of led uh, to a few marathons, which led to some stress fractures, <laughs> kind of led <laughs> kind of led me back to the pool. So I kind of had to teach myself how to swim. And, uh, you know, one thing kind of led to another, and uh, I started the, my first sprint triathlon. And uh, I just kind of got hooked. And then uh, I kind of realized... Uh, the short stuff wasn't for me, so that's when I kind of dove into half Ironman and Ironman stuff. 
So did you have sort of success pretty quickly early on, or did you, you know, has it been uh, just sort of a, a linear relationship? You know, have you slowly got better, or have you had sort of big jumps in your um, performance? I mean, I, I think I was always, you know, the top 10% of my age group. Yeah. Um, but what, you know, what I immediately struggled with was the swim, uh, kind of coming from a head zero swim background. And, um, you know, my run kind of always kept me in it. Uh, in terms of overall placement in the age group, yeah. um, but the swim kind of held me back. So I, I've I've kind of made some strides in that, and, and uh, as, as I've kind of gotten the longer distances, the swim doesn't become as much of a factor as it does uh, in Ironman as it is, you know, in sprint and Olympic distance. Exactly. So tell us about your your sort of work setup and um, how many hours you got to crank out every week, and and what you do for a job. Well, I, I think I have one of the greatest jobs. I'm a teacher, uh, oh, yeah. which I think, yeah. Um, you know, we work, you know, 40 hours a week, just like any other person. Uh, I mean, sometimes we have commitments after school or before school. Um, but, you know, I'm a little more, more for, have a little more freedom in the summertime. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I've been teaching for about 15 years, uh, and I actually do some coaching. Um, I coach cross-country. I teach seventh and eighth grade um, physical education, so it's uh, really kind of really echoes, uh, you know, living this triathlon lifestyle. Yeah. Um, my, uh, I, I have two kids, um, four and two years old, so uh, they really kind of keep us busy. Yeah. But uh, you know, my wife is so supportive of of what I do. She really, uh, you know, kind of lets me do what I need to do as long as you know she can have her time as well. But yeah. she's, she's fantastic. Without her, I'm sure you know, like with yeah. anybody who does age group, without without her, I probably wouldn't be able to do it at this level. Yeah. So and a question I've got for you is, is how do you manage to keep on top of your health given you know, you're working around kids that are usually going to have a lot of snotty noses and you've got kids of your own that are probably going to bring snotty noses home. Um, do you find that's uh, quite a big issue for you? And, and what do you maybe do to try to mitigate that you know, getting sick all the time, which I'm having a real battle with at the moment? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I usually every when the weather gets cool, I always have kind of a, you know, stuffy, stuffed up nose. But, you know, I just just like your, your health department says, wash your hands. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for me, it, it, it boils down to what I eat mm-hmm. and, and how will I, how will I sleep? I think I, I have a pretty, pretty solid diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I don't kind of try to stay away from the junk food as much as I possibly can. And then I, I really try to focus on getting seven or eight hours of good sleep every night. Um, and I think that sort of kind of kept me from getting too ill, uh, yeah. aside from a cold every now and again. Yeah, so your kids are good sleepers then? Well, no. <laughs> uh, you know, my my boys, my boys sometimes are up at you know before five thirty. Yeah. Um, and they're starting to be better sleepers now as they get older, but they were not in the beginning. It was yeah. rough, real rough. Um, yeah. But they're getting better now. <laughs> with age. Uh, I hope I'm going to go down that path soon. Hey, um, so <laughs> run us through sort of a, a typical training week for for you and. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Sean mentioned a few weeks ago that, you know, he gets everything done first thing in the morning and he sort of gets up at the crack of dawn, not the crack of dawn, well before the crack of dawn, um, and get got everything done in the morning. How do you sort of work your program? How many hours are you doing per week? And, and roughly, you know, the typical Ironman build-up, how are you sort of, you know, how much training are you doing and how hard are you going? 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I do quite a bit. Uh, you know, I can probably get up to 20, 23 hours uh-huh. a week during a, a peak Ironman build. Um, and I am like most guys who have kids. It's, it's a lot of the stuff is in the morning. So mm-hmm. I do wake up usually four forty-five, um, uh-huh. and then, you know, maybe get a session in before I have to go to work. Um, and then if I can get a session in on my lunch, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I can't get it on my lunch and I'll do it in the evening, mm-hmm. you know, the except the exception to that is, you know, typically when I go for a long bike ride it will be on a Saturday, which will be in the afternoon. Um, so usually kind of work it out with my wife and she kind of goes to her gym in the morning and I'll do my bike ride in the afternoon. Um, and that's kind of worked real well for us. Um, and then, you know, I do my long runs in the morning on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a typical week, uh, I'll swim probably three times a week, mm-hmm. anywhere between uh, three and four K a session. Um, and then uh, I probably will run between five and six times a week during peak Ironman build yeah. uh, with a long run on um, Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll probably ride three times a week, maybe four times a week. Um, but the, the big stuff being on Saturday and Sunday. Nice. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty typical. It's a pretty standard. So what, what do you think has is, is, you know, allowed you to improve quicker than, than other age groupers? That, you, know, you know, you always go out training with people and you're like, why is this guy not any quicker? You know, he's, he's, he's as good as me or, or, or you know, what, what do you think has sort of allowed you to be better than others and, and perform so well? That's a great question. I have, I have a, pretty, a pretty good answer. Um, you know, I hired a coach. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm coached by Jim Vance. He's out of San Diego, and he was he he raced uh, professionally for a while. But when I, as soon as I got hooked up with him, um, you know, we kind of started discussing things, and you know, we put some uh, really good thinking into a, a great training plan, and that's it's I put, it's paid dividends to me. Specifically, for me to be successful, I have to have some pretty good intensity. Uh, race specific intensity in the bike and the run. Uh, we do lots of lots of long, hard intervals on the bike, and then a, a solid, you know, two hour block in a you know long run of, of some good pacing in the run. So, so when you say hard intervals on the bike, um, everybody's definition of hard is different. Are you yeah, talking yeah. about doing? a lot of sort of Ironman pace work and, and say a five hour ride, like lots of Ironman pace work, or are you talking about actually doing, you know? hard anaerobic threshold sort of efforts during during long rides well i, I train with power yeah. so um what we what we've been doing is uh 30 minute intervals on the bike and basically it's it's as bad as as fast as i can go for 30 minutes mm-hmm. um probably between three and four times a session mm-hmm. um and it, you know, it's really easy to track that progress with a power meter. One of the benefits of having a power meter, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that number one, it's it's much much harder than Ironman intensity. I would say more towards half Ironman intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, kind of spending the rest of the ride in some Ironman stuff. Yeah. Um, but definitely a power meter has really helped me improve on the bike. Cool. And, you know, you, you talked a bit about your, your stress fractures. I mean, um, that's a, an issue a lot of people have as well, as, as, um, uh, whether it be from poor technique or, 
or whatever, um, poor shoe selection, um, overtraining. What, how have you managed to work that out so you can now, you know, train consistently? Yeah. Um, well, I, I originally got a stress fracture because of a poor shoe choice. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I finally got kind of settled in with a, a good, a good shoe, um, but I did a lot of strength work on my shins, mm-hmm. um, and my lower legs, uh, which, which I really, really thought helped. Also, I, I, I do a lot of ice baths. I know you guys talk about ice yeah. baths in your show a lot, but man, yeah. I, I tell you that from, from my perspective, you know, somebody who's probably on their feet most of the time during the day, they might be training two or three hours a day to sit in an ice bath for 15 minutes at the end of the day is, does wonders for my body. And I recommend that for, you know, anybody. Nice. Uh, she can stand it. It's great. <laughs> um, and I'd say uh, one other thing a friend of mine was telling me over the weekend was also, you know, he's been doing the run-walk thing and he finds that for his calves. Um, you know, he, he said when he used to get injured a bit, um, his coach had sent him out for run-walks and he could easily do, you know, 10, 10 Ks when he was injured um, doing that. But if he tried to run straight, he couldn't get more than a couple of Ks um, before he would break down again. So I think that's another example for guys who have got sort of um, shin and calf issues when they're slowly trying to build it up. Um, I had another good question. Just in terms of breaking your year up, like um, how do you break your year up? Um, you know, maybe if you do you like a 15, 16-week, 20-week Ironman build up or do you do, you know, a single sport specific periods? How do you sort of um, break a year up? Yeah, um, typically the, the first half of the year um, and let's let's call the first half of the year from you know maybe like February through June. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, my focus will be on maybe some half Ironman stuff. Uh, most of the in, a little more intense in terms of power, pace, um, and speed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the focus will be then kind of building up for a late fall or a late winter uh, Ironman from probably mid June through probably September or November. Um, where the volume is probably going to be a little higher, uh, especially on the long ride and the long run. Um, and then maybe the intensity is just a little bit lower, but we focus a little more on uh, Ironman-specific speed at that time. Um, usually a build for me for an Ironman is probably between um, 16 and 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year it's kind of unique because... Uh, I, I had a bike accident at the beginning of May, and I broke my collarbone. Yeah. So I, I had all of most of May and half of June where I was six weeks of n- able to do nothing, um, <laughs> which yeah, <laughs> which which really kind of I threw threw a wrench in my racing plans because I was planning on racing a, an Ironman at the end of August, and then yeah. uh, coming up here in November, which you know that that. that totally ruin that yeah um so besides this year that's typically what our plan is splitting the season in half and focusing on uh the half ironman distance the beginning of the year and then switching to the ironman distance towards the end cool we'll be back with part two in just a second so one other question i had for you there just with regards to your racing so what do you do during your um your winter period yeah, which is, you know, for me, it's coming up here uh, probably in about two weeks. Um, we'll focus. I live in uh, an area where we get a lot of a lot of cool weather in the winter, so I'm forced to be inside. Uh, we'll focus on some probably shorter and more intense stuff um, on the bike, especially on the indoor trainer. 
But uh, I think a goal for me this winter is going to be to work on uh, form in the pool. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably be spending quite a quite a quite a few mornings at the pool um, and kind of take a step back a little bit from running, uh, just to kind of let the body kind of recharge a little bit. Um, nice. And then, you know, we do a, a program in the winter where we uh, we do quite a bit of track work. If mm-hmm. if, if it's if the weather is appropriate enough to get outside and run on the track or, or an indoor track, but kind of shorter sessions. Nice. Quite intense. Nice. So the big question um, most people seem to have uh, is to how to keep the family intact. You know, you've obviously got your, you know, your, your sporting goals, but um, all of us family people, uh, unless they've got some sort of screw loose, want to try to keep their family intact and, uh, and, and try to keep some sort of balance in there. But it's sometimes pretty easy to, to lose track and, um, and it ends up in tears in a lot of circumstances, as um, we all know. So how do you manage to, to keep the family balance right that's, that's yeah that's communication number one uh you know like i said before my wife is fantastic she's so supportive but um you know this i need to communicate to her kind of you know what i i like to intend to do and then she communicates to me but it's kind of a give and take mm-hmm. uh you know i'll take the boys uh when she needs to go off and do something and she'll take the boys for me now because we focus on the Ironman half the year, uh, the, the majority of the volume is towards the end of the year or the middle of, in, in, end of the year. So uh, I think that she probably gets her fill and she's probably waiting to get her fill come here in the wintertime. Uh, <laughs> but, for me it's, but for me, it's communication. Uh, and I think that's, you know, uh, I'm no relationship expert, but yeah. if you can communicate, communicate to your spouse when you're an Ironman athlete, I think that's the best way to go. Cool. And racing, you've talked about um, your power meter there, so I assume that's um, a critical tool for you on race day with regards to pacing. So maybe talk Absolutely. us through um, through that, and and maybe how you you know what works for you when you're out there and the going is getting tough, whether it be on the bike or the or the run. Um, and yeah, just how you sort of get through the day, and what again, what you think gives you a bit of an edge over other people. Yeah, I think, you know, I think any time I face adversity in a race, I always think, um, kind of go back to training and all those hard training rides and runs you kind of head in the bank and those, all those hard, hard workouts that give you so much confidence for racing. Um, so if, if, you know, things are getting kind of hard during, during the ride in an Ironman, I always kind of think back to when they were really bad when it was 90 degrees and I was riding my bike, you know, into a 20 mile head with, yeah. Which, which always seems like it happens out here, um, and then you know the, the power meter always always acts for me like a carrot. You know, I, I, I try to stay as close to my target watch as I possibly can. Um, you know, and if I'm feeling good uh, and things are good, I just kind of like to keep it at those watts. And when I'm feeling bad, um, I kind of use it as a carrot to, to entice me to keep to keep pushing. Um, I've, I've been using power for about three years. Uh, it's, to me, it's it's, it's only only good things to me in my cycling. Nice. And what about your fueling on race day? Everybody has uh, their own stories about fueling. Um, yours fairly orthodox, or what do you do for that? Well, I, I, I don't think that I'm any different than anybody else. Um, I, I use an all uh, liquid. It's called. Well, you guys talk about it a lot. Infinite. Yep. Um, drink and I. 
for the bike, it's pretty simple. I, I try to keep things as simple as possible. Um, I usually take about 300 calories an hour. Uh, yeah. So I mix up mix up two bottles and have one bottle on my bike uh, for special needs and switch bottles and, and come back home. So I probably typically take in, you know, between 14 and 1,600 calories on a bike ride um, in a race. Yep. And then uh, on the run, I'll just switch to, uh, again, keeping it real simple, gel and Coke and water. Nice. And, um, you know, if I feel kind of full, then I'll cut back. Uh, if I feel like I, uh, I feel pretty good, then I'll, I'll continue uh, as long as it needs. <laughs> nice. Seems pretty simple, but I think a lot of it comes down to intensity as well. If you get your intensity right, the nutrition often becomes a lot less of an issue. Um, tell us a bit about your coaching. I mean, are you doing um, a lot or are you just doing a little bit locally and, and are you looking for you know, um, for more athletes or are you you're pretty content with where you're at? Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I've been coaching for a couple of years now. I coach for a company called uh, Training Bible Coaching, yep. which actually um, is over, all over the world. And I actually have, you know, clients that are local to me here in Illinois. Um, I have clients um, in Europe, in Mexico, and actually one in Australia. Nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, and it's, it's worked out really well. Uh, I've learned a lot from them, and hopefully they've learned a lot from me. Cool. Um, in, ter- in terms of my load, I, I guess I, I always would love to have more clients. I really enjoy uh, coaching. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So if people want to find you, they can, they can go through um, trainingbible.com. Is that the easiest way to find you on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's our website, trainingbible.com. Also, uh, um, I'm actually, I have a website that's sort of being built for me right now. It's uh, scottiat.com. Um, but you know it's 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 in infant stages, so you don't get too disruptive. If you don't <laughs> we'll have um, all those links up on our site. And now you're racing Ironman Florida this weekend, is it? And I think that so this interview will come out um, after after that you, you've raced. But uh, is that correct? You're racing Florida this weekend? Yeah, yes, sir. We're leaving. Uh, we're leaving in two days. Very and, good. Uh, we're taking the whole family on a plane, so uh, if we make it there, that'll be a good thing. <laughs> and if your bike makes it, it'll be even better. Yeah, absolutely, now, yeah. Tell me, what's your motivation to do Florida? Because um, I haven't done the race before, um, but all I hear about it is um, a drafting frenzy. I mean, um, have you done it before? Is it as bad as people say? And yeah, why, why, why did you choose that race? Well, I've never done it before, Um you know, I'm from the Midwest here in the States, so, you know, it's actually quite a, quite a bit away. Um, I, when I broke my collarbone at the beginning of the year, I, I had originally planned on racing in Louisville, which is much, much closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Florida just kind of fit in my race schedule. Uh, you know, ideally, I'd like to qualify to go to, to, to Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and doing that potentially at Florida, you know, gives you 11 months uh, yeah. to prepare for Kona. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons. Um, I've I've heard a lot about it being, you know, it's flat and it's fast, and you know, there's probably too many athletes yeah. um, on the course. So um, I've heard it it, it 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 potentially could get that could get that way, but I've never raced there. 
Yeah. Oh well. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about how you how it goes, and we'll um, we'll tack a little bit onto this um, segment next week. Um, Bevan's going to be doing that. I'll be away, but um, we'll certainly be following your progress in, in uh, with great interest over the weekend. So, hey, um, all the best. Thanks for sharing all that information. You know, it's great. I think there's definitely a few things for for people to learn in there. I mean, um, each time we get the you guys on here, you age groupers, um, well, elite performing age groupers. I don't think there's any. Um, amazing special miracle um way to get to the top it just uh, it's just hard work and and basically figuring out a way how you can put the appropriate amount of time and effective time into your training so um all the best with your race this weekend and um we'll definitely be tracking you hey john i appreciate it thank you so much for having me on and uh you guys are great i listen to you every week cool that's thanks very much Sponsor. So the first sponsor I'm going to talk about today is Coffees of Hawaii, the world's best coffee. And you go to www.coffeesofhawaii.com to get your order. Or even better, you go to imtalk.com and you check out the discount code we have on our front page and you get that happening right there. But more importantly, one thing they've introduced to the Coffees of Hawaii page is a way for you to differentiate between the different coffees. So if you go on their front page, they've got a link that you can go to and it shows basically what the different types of coffees are. So if you go um, 100% Molokai, peaceful strength, a rich boiled medium roast coffee with a mild acidity complemented with a luscious hint of chocolate. And then they give a rating of stars based on aroma, body, acidity, flavor and roast. So for example, with that coffee has four stars for aroma, three stars for body, four stars for acidity and flavor is five star. But then, for example, you might go down to 100% um, Kona and Moonlit Water. A European roast adds character to the fragrant wine and fruit toned bouquet of this 100% Kona coffee. Now, this one has a 3% three star aroma, 4 star body, 2 star acidity, and 3 star flavor. And the roast is European. Now, if you're a bit more of a coffee connoisseur <laughs> and uh, you you know you like to know the finer things about coffees and you care about these things, well, this is the way that you can define what would be the best choice of coffee for you when you're going to choose your Coffees of Hawaii. So just when you go to the Coffees of Hawaii page, check it out, and that way you can define what's the best choice for you of coffee. Again, we get emails all the time from people, you guys saying how much you love the Coffees of Hawaii, how much how great their product is and, and just their service and experience is really great. So if you want to get some coffees of Hawaii, go to www.imtalk.me and you click on the link on our page and you get a discounted rate, which is great. And um, again, as we always say, I think at the moment we've actually got the three, I think I'm actually in a little bit of trouble here because last week I was meant to do my homework and put the, the three bag of coffee over a certain amount of money and I haven't done it. So I'll make sure I get that done. Let's have a look. Did I do that? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, so I'll make sure when I go to the website today in the next couple of hours, I'll put that up there and you can guys can click on through and get the free bag of coffee. I think just from memory, it's if you spend over $40 on coffee. So it's a bit of a no-brainer, as Jonas would say. Check out www.coffeesofawaii.com, find out the flavors you love, and then order them to your location. Right now, the next interview we're going to put on is an interview I did with Pete Jacobs, where he talks a little bit about what happened in Kona and and uh, the whole day and the experience around that. A little bit about where he's at 
with his training right now, and obviously, well, maybe you didn't know this, but the boy's getting married in a few weeks, so he's kind of touches on that a little bit as well. Here we go. Here's Pete Jacobs. Right, guys, we've got uh, Pete Jacobs on the show, who had uh, an interesting Kona this year, and uh, first year in top 10 last year, and backed it up again this year, and thought we'd get him on the show to talk to him after his race of Kona this year. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. It was, uh, um, I was emailing you the other day, and you're getting married soon, mate. Yeah, yeah, December 22nd here in Sydney. How's all the planning going? So I'm um, pretty busy. Um, it's going all right. Um, you know, we're pretty busy on our on the few days that Jamie has off work. We kind of got a few meet, which is one of them tomorrow, and we've got about three things lined up to do, and also just moved house and, and bought a unit. So um, we're out shopping for all bits and pieces for that too. So it's been pretty hectic since July. Uh, are, you, are you the kind of partner who gets all involved, or are you quite happy for the, the females and the family to be taking <coughs> control? Um, no, I'm, I'm happy to get involved wherever I'm uh, required or wherever I'm asked, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things now that just, um, you know, that don't don't really matter too much, but just whichever, whatever Jamie likes is the way it should be, so flowers and, you know, things like that, and table decorating and things like that, um, you know, I'm just happy to go along with it, but, but help out wherever I can. Mate, you sound like you're going to be a perfect husband, mate. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> you're trying. Hey, mate, I, I thought we'd start off a little bit with just how things have been going in general. Uh, tell, tell us about your year just, you know, to date. Um, well, the year was going well. Um, signed with Team Abu Dhabi um, at the start of the year and, and went over for a training camp there in, in uh, February. And a couple of weeks over there in um, Alain in the UAE was really good and a couple of trips to Abu Dhabi and Dubai as well. And um, did, did you do the came Australian back, did the... Um, no, so I came back, did the Australian long course champs and then um, two weeks later was going to be the Abu Dhabi race. But um, in between, I broke my collarbone when I fell off my bike. That's right, I remember, yep. So um, did my collarbone and so pretty much sat on the couch for um, seven weeks and did nothing because I'm not the kind of person to kind of do things half-assed, you know, I'm kind of all in or not, I'm not real, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not real obsessive compulsive training type, so I did nothing until I got the all clear and then jumped back into it, but um, had a few troubles just getting back into it, um, so Roth didn't go too well, um, I think I got fourth there this year, which is my first, worst result in the four years I've gone there at Challenge Roth, yep. uh, but I was happy just to get through it and go okay on the training I'd done and um things like that and still gave me a bit of confidence on how my bike league was going and against guys like Rasmus and, and, and Nico. Um, so yeah, came back from that and pretty much continued into some solid training and, um, we went and did Philippines 70.3 and had a cracking race there and, and won that, um, over your fellow New Zealander, Terenzo, yeah. um, where he was defending there, but, um, I just felt really good and it kind of proved to me that, you know, going from Sydney winter into the hot, humid conditions, if I'm fit, it doesn't really affect me that much. So um, I ran well in Philippines and came back and just trained in Sydney for um, Hawaii and went over to Hawaii just a week out. And, um, yeah, was just very confident going into it. Yeah. Just, just a couple of quick questions based on that. Um, how do you handle, you know, because a lot of our athletes, you know, we, injuries are part of our sport. We're all going to suffer injury at times. You, you say you're not obsessive about the training, but, you know, even six weeks off, how would you get through that? And I suppose, do you have any tips for people into being successful with injury? Um, 
basically I got I got through it. I just sat on the couch and enjoyed the time on the couch with DVDs and stuff. I mean, the first couple of weeks I was sleepy because of the anaesthetic. And then I got into just um, sort of setting up a, a business um, with a mate of mine that we um, we almost set up and then we kind of took a back seat while I started training for Hawaii and he opened a, a running shop in Crow's Nest. And um, now we've just got that online, which is Born to Run um, with a number two, borntorun.com.au, yep. and basically just teaching um, running technique, which is oh, um, both of our passions. So, um, yeah, so we've done a few sessions you know, a few months ago when we were setting up and then we had a break and now it's kind of at that point now where we are starting to take um, numbers and and start doing some regular sessions and stuff. So that's how I got through it. I, you know, pretty, pretty much put a fair bit of time into um, setting up a, a business. And were you worried after that, did you lose some confidence in, you know, maybe what was in front of you for the year because of the injury or were you, were you confident once you got back to training you'd be fine? Yeah, no, um, when I got back in, I actually felt really good, especially in the water because I'd, I'd done nothing for several weeks. My shoulders were so loose. I actually swam better than I've ever swum in the next sort of six weeks. I was, oh, wow. you know, swimming better than ever. Um, so, yeah, that was good. And then just motivating because I, I really had taken a break from triathlon for a good seven weeks. Um, it was uh, my, my mind was very fresh and my body felt fresh. So, um you know, after a slight, you know, not being able to get in great shape for Ross, I was really motivated to just, you know, my only good race of the season was going to be Hawaii and, well, Philippines in the lead-up to it yep. as well. But, um, yeah, so with only one main goal of the season, um, yeah, it was actually fairly easy to um, to come back from injury and, and just carry through and, and feel good right through up to the race. So last year in Kona, you had a bit of a breakthrough year, getting the top 10, you had a great race here. Going into this year's race, what what did you thought you maybe needed to do to improve on last year's result, or did you pretty much go with the same attitude into the race as what you took last year? Um, no, last year was a bit haphazard. I, I'd, I'd been training, um, racing and travelling through sort of mid-August through to, to mid-September, and so I really only came home and did sort of a month of, con- of uh, consistent training before Hawaii last year. But on the day, the day just went well. You know, the, the front pack of the bike was relatively close there when I got off the bike with Crowley. And and, um, and I just ran, I ran okay. I didn't run brilliantly, like 256 or something last year. And, and, and I've kind of looked at what my limiting factors were in that race and, and basically getting tired at the end of the marathon was, was a big part of it. Yeah. So um, this year, you know, I really just wanted to really focus on it and have consistent training without a lot of traveling or other distractions. So, um, yeah, just stayed at home the whole time, um, you know, except for a, a week over in the Philippines early early on in or, or mid-August. And um, then a couple of other races that fitted in nicely, just local Olympic races and things. Um, but, yeah, basically just address what my limiting factors were, which was, you know, the, the strength in the back half of the marathon. And so this year I added in just some easy runs. So I pretty much did the same running program that I'd done previously, um, but I added in three to four easy runs. So that just sort of added a 30 or 40K of running a week, oh, really? um, which helped my, my strength, which helped my running, which helped my muscles my technique, uh, and just general confidence in my run. So um, I went into Hawaii a lot more confident than last year. Like I actually went into it knowing that I was in the best shape of my life and knowing that I was going to have a good run. Like, are you the kind of guy who does high-volume training? What's your overall philosophy on the way you approach your training? 
No, I'm I'm probably do less than probably anyone else in the in the field almost. I would say in the, in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, you know, I only ride three times a week. So my biggest ride week was 15 hours, and um, wow. my biggest run week was 110 k's. Wow. So why is it just this is why you always took it over? What's that? Uh, why is that? Why, like, is it just the way it's always worked for you? Oh, oh, a long, a long process of finding out my my limits and fatigue and things. So, you know, I had had a problem with fatigue when I started being professional, or even the year before I was pro. My last year as an age grouper, I struggled with fatigue, uh, and then first couple of years, I really had big problems, big bouts of fatigue for months, and then they sort of, you know, I was able to manage them better and better, but um, still pushed the the boundaries a bit every now and then, and. Um, you know, I would get fatigued again for a week or three days here or there and yep. just have to really just take three days off and, and sleep and things. Um, so I, I reshuffled my training around this year. So my days were a little bit easier. Um, last year I had two rest days, two complete rest days, but that sort of ended up loading up a couple of my other days too much. Yep. So this year I had one complete rest day and um, one day where all I did was a run session in the morning. So one and a half rest days every week. And um, yeah, I was able to get through, I think, 10 weeks or something of training with no no feeling of fatigue, no need to take a few days off or, or anything. So, um, But in my rest weeks in my training, my rest weeks are about six hours of training or something, six yeah. to 10 hours. Like they're really rest weeks. Yeah. So, so, so you, your volume is so low in comparison to what a lot of guys are doing, and you know you're obviously pulling off some pretty good results now. Uh, do you think your your intensity? You know, obviously you train it, or do you train at a real high intensity? Um, not a real high intensity. Um, I've got run sessions, so you know, once a week, one one run session to tempo run, one run session to interval run, and in that I'm getting down to sort of you know three. 310k pace for, for the last kilometre of an interval session but the rest of it's just kind of at you know 330s around there and things like that so nothing's real intense and nothing really smashes me um, and I kind of like that See, I mean when you've got to train for a swim bike run you can't go out and kill yourself on the run and then expect to get a quality bike session the next day so um, yeah I just keep everything um, within reason so at the end of the session I still feel okay and um, can still get in another three days before a rest day and just keep ticking along nicely for yeah ten weeks. It just worked out really well. You seem to value the, the idea of recovery and what you're doing, and, and you're not you know blowing your body out. What about besides like are you kind of anal on nutrition and rest and stuff like that, or you know like are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty particular about what I eat. Um, when I broke my collarbone, another thing that I did was go and get um, a full um, gut analysis. Yeah. Um, so big test that sort of found out all parasites and fungus and yeast infections and everything in my stomach. And, um, yeah, it came back with quite a few problems and uh, one particularly bad parasite. But then when I got back into training after the collarbone, I started on some antibiotics to try and get rid of that. And that was what kind of set me back in my Roth preparation because I ended up feeling really terrible for – ended up being a month almost oh, really? um, just taking those antibiotics. So then I got another lot of antibiotics that was slightly different again to try and get this thing, which is um, Blastocystis hominis, um, which quite a few other people I've spoken to have as well. And um, so I got another lot of antibiotics that I started taking the day after Challenge Roth. 
Um, so I took them and they didn't, they, they affected me. I was very drowsy the week afterwards and didn't really do much, but, um, still didn't get rid of it. Um, so yeah, so with, with knowing that all this is in my stomach, I've been very particular about what I've been eating. So I've limited a lot of sugars, um, you know, limited all my, my, um, wheat and yeast. And, uh, you know, for a while there, I was even limiting mushrooms for the, for the fungus aspect of it. And um, so, yeah, I was, I was really particular and, and it probably helped me drop a couple of kilos. So I was the lightest I'd ever been as well. So obviously that helps for the run. So, um, yeah, so diet, yeah, I'm pretty particular. I was very particular about it. I've been pretty average since Hawaii, you know, <laughs> just trying to let, let everything just, yeah, just dropped the bags for a, a month now and um, just being a bit lazy. But um, I am feeling it and noticing it, the difference in diet and things. And um, and I've, I've got to try and get back onto a good diet because I have got WA Ironman in, in a month's time. Yeah, so yeah. I've got a bit of work to do. Hey, yeah. so, so um, <laughs> just lastly before we go on to Kona, and, and the rest side of things, are you kind of, you know, are you the guy who goes to bed at 9 o'clock every night or do you pretty much just kind of pretty casual around that? Um, yeah, a bit more casual, yeah. Um, living with um, my fiance Jamie, we just kind of get to bed when we can, but I'm, I'm pretty stuffed normally by, yeah, by 9 o'clock I'm, I'm not much too good. Uh, so, um, and on my rest days, I make sure I always try and get a sleep on my rest days. Um, I really notice it if I haven't had my sleep and on other days as well. So definitely long run days and, and well, just pretty much any day that I can fit it in, I'll have a have a anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half or to even two hours um, sleep during the day and makes a huge difference for me. Just boosts the energy right back up. Wow, that's really great. It's good some good points here for listeners. Hey, so so Kona comes along, mate. You um you know you you had a. Do you want to talk us through your day, mate? Um, yeah. Well, I was I was on the start and knew I was going to have a good race and um, figured I'd just do what I did every other year and, and sit on Andy Potts' feet and just see what happens. Uh, but after a while, again, it just got a bit tough trying to sit on his feet. So um, I just cruised around and saw the massive pack behind me. So, so you're always... So, um, yeah, I cruised. Yeah, so I was by myself from about probably 700 metres into the swim to, well, they caught me a bit after the turnaround and then I just stayed at the front of that pack. Um, so and then, yeah, it came in... like... Like for, you know, like well, when I wasn't going to be a friend of a pack swimmer, what's it like knowing that you're kind of dragging the pack along? Is that mentally consuming or do you just kind of go, oh, well, that's the deal, it's always going to be the way? Well, well, that, that's kind of why I, I go with Andy Potts or whoever it is in front or go on my own in front of the swim because two reasons, it strings the swimmers behind me out a bit on, in some events, it really does break it up. Yeah. Um, and then the slower swimmers get dropped off that second pack and then it just continues down the line um but yeah just i i dropped off andy pot's feet after a while because it was a bit too um you know it's hard to concentrate to stay on his feet to go when him with him when he's kind of zigzagging up a bit or whatever and so i dropped off his feet and swam my own own swim in my own space and didn't have to worry i could relax uh, you know i wasn't tense i didn't have to look around me too much worry about people hitting me and then when the pack caught me um, there was a couple of us that sat up the front, so Dirk Bocker was up the front, and I sort of sat on his feet, and then, then we split up and, and sort of towed two different lines in. Uh, but really, I was still just swimming my own race, and I'm just much more comfortable not having to follow feet and fight for feet. Um, I think it takes a lot more energy having to fight for feet than, than just to lead the pack, and 
I'll lead the pack in a very comfortable, I'll just be comfortable. I won't be pushing myself trying to um, drag them all through for a good swim time, obviously. So, yes, yeah, doing my own race out the front and, uh, yeah, and just it's easy that way. So um, so we got out onto the bike, got a good transition, was out about third. Um, and onto the bike, there was a, just, I couldn't get over the size of the pack and everyone was there and it was just unbelievable. So um, I knew I was going to have to sit up near the front because I've also found um, at Hawaii that I'm not a strong guy. Like I'm, I'm probably one of the lightest guys in the field and, and not the strongest cyclist. But if I'm up near the front of that long train, it's a lot easier than sitting at the back of the train and getting yeah. having to really push hard up and over the hill when the front of the train's already heading downhill. Yeah. So um, I've, got to, I've got to stay near the front. And um, guys just kept cutting in, like, you know, illegally because you're meant to not cut in if there was if everyone was legally spaced, um, you weren't meant to cut in. You're going to take over anyone. You've got to go past. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, but people just weren't doing that. And um, so before I know it, I'd I'd get up to the front, and you know, twenty people would cut in, or not twenty, but several people would cut in within the next two minutes, and I'd be back at tenth suddenly, and I'd have to try and get back up because it just I really felt it over the hills, and. um, so I kept trying to get back up the front, and then one of those times that you know half a dozen people cut in, I go back out just past them, and we just hit a fast downhill section. At a, you know we're in about 40 k's into the race or something, hit a fast downhill section, and I was just at top speed. I'm not a big strong guy, and everyone's just going hard and fast, and I just got stuck out there beside Crowley for for longer than 20 seconds, and a guy on a motorbike gave me a red card, so it's a four minute penalty. So um. You know, really frustrating because it was just, you know, they weren't pinging everyone for pulling in to the to the line. They just weren't kind of yep. policing that well enough. Um, you know, everyone was way too close for half that first half for, for the entire first part of the ride. Everyone was way too close because everyone was kept pulling in to the line. And, yeah, that was very frustrating. So um, four-minute penalty about the 50K mark. So at the moment you're feeling pretty cheap because yeah. they weren't being like that anal and then all of a sudden you kind of get pung, so you're getting pretty frustrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, it was it was really frustrating. Um, <laughs> very – but it was it was frustrating, but just that instant disappointment, like – I've just gotten a four minute penalty. There goes my chances of yeah. you know, top five in Hawaii. Like um just that instant instant just in you know, that split second, the guys just said, Right, you're not gonna go in the top five. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, oh, your crap, chance you know, or you're not you're not you're not gonna win it because yeah. I've just given you yeah. a four minute penalty. So, um, so, so yeah, it's very frustrating. No, it was about another probably seven or ten k's, and then we pulled over at the penalty box. Yep. And there was a few of us there, and, and it was more frustrating to see other guys had gotten a stop-go penalty just for, a, you know, who actually they did pull into the draft zone. They pulled in yep. too close to the bike in front of them, yep. and, they got a, and, you know, there was some that got a stop-go for that. And I was like, well, I wasn't even drafting. I got four minutes. So, yeah. yeah, very, very... Anyway, we got back on our bike, and there was a few of us there, and... Um, we worked together and pushed hard, and we made up three and a half minutes in about the next 40, 50k to half E. Yep. So we were going pretty hard, and then I just, you know, that was sort of my limit. I started to fade when we hit half E and turned around. Suddenly, we're hitting a crosswind and a headwind, and as I said, it's not my strength. I'm not a strong guy, so I just couldn't make up that final 30 seconds and um, started to really fade. 
And, um, yeah, I was on my own. And then when guys came past me, I couldn't even ride with them because I was just, I was cooked. I had nothing left on the bike, you know. And um, I I tried to just relax and say, look, you, you can still run and, and just try and not think about how far up the road the other guys are. Um, and I know that I can. I have often been really flat on the bike but still run well yeah. and been fresh on the bike. So I just relaxed and just didn't stress about it and um, rolled into transition, yeah, pretty pretty frustrated still. But, you know, I had a quick transition and got out onto the run and just figured I'd just, just try and have the run that I'd trained for to try and still get something out of all the training that I'd done. So, um, what, what position were you in, at this stage? What position were you uh, off the bike? 30, 30 second, wow. 30 second position. Wow. So, um, so I didn't know it was 30 second. Different. I thought maybe... 20th or something, 25th maybe. So you know? At this stage, did you still think top 10 or did you just think, have my run and see what happens? No, no. Well, I, I did, but I didn't know I was back in 32nd. I thought maybe 25th. So okay. by the time I've run a Lee drive and come back and seen my my, my parents and Jamie, and I and I thought maybe I'm 15th or something or 14th, yeah. you know, I'm getting close because I'd passed, you know, 10 guys or more. Yeah. And I said, oh, what position am I in? And I think they said 18th. Mm. And I just thought, you're joking. I'm yeah. still back in 18th. I'd, I'd passed 14 guys or something, yeah. and I was still back. <laughs> so that was the first time I knew where I was. And um, just sort of still thought, oh, look, I'm still here to have the run that I trained for. So I just keep moving as quick as I can. Um, but at the same time, I was still a bit hesitant about how quick I could run. I was I, My running and training was at a completely new level that I'd never been to yeah. and so I still it felt like I was running my first marathon because I was running it a lot quicker than I've ever run okay. than I've ever tried to run a marathon so I was still a bit apprehensive about jeez will I will will I be able to hold this pace will I blow up and um should I slow down but um yeah I kept kept catching guys out along the Queen K and I remember catching Cam Brown and um, thinking, okay, Cam's a good runner. Maybe I should just just sit with him for a little bit and settle down because I'm I'm, I'm running a bit quick here. And um, you know, I sort of caught him and, and relaxed slightly. But then, I, but then just I still kept running past him and thought, all right, well, let's just keep going then to get to get to the next guy. And coming out of the energy lab, I was in thirteenth and just really hit a hit a bad patch for that the hill up out of the energy lab, um, which isn't much of a hill, but. I just had to walk the aid station at the top there because suddenly I just got really hot. Heart rate went high and I just needed to, I just walked about 50 metres and walked the aid station and um, reset myself and, and calmed back down and hit the Queen K and, and headed for home and headed for the next three guys. And um, yeah, I caught the next two pretty quick. But Chris Lieta was, was in 10th and he was obviously really trying to hang on to 10th. And um so he was really making an effort of it to stay in front of me, and he had guys telling him splits back to me and stuff like that. And then how I could finally see him. Stage? Like, was it was it going to be like how far away in front of you was he? Oh, I couldn't see him for quite a while along the Queen K. I sort of started to see him just around the last couple of bends before um, the big hill up to up to the top of Polani. Yep. So um, yeah, once he started to come back into sight. Um, I thought, yeah, okay, I think I can get him. I think I can. But he was holding off really well. But once we hit the hill, um, I caught him really quick and I, and I really powered up the hill really hard. And um, I think as soon as I passed him, he, he disappeared very quickly. So um, 
I think he he really was just trying to hold on for that tenth. So I got up the top of Polani, went down Polani, and then before I knew it, I'm at the bottom of Polani, and Farris is, is in sight. Oh, and I wow. thought, geez, I might get another spot. And <laughs> nice. he's my fellow teammate in Team Abu Dhabi, and yep. uh, and I sort of I caught him and thought, and I said, oh, sorry, mate, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, just and just went for home because I still thought he might have a sprint in him or something. So yeah, I went for home and ran pretty hard all the way to the finish line. And when I stopped my watch across the finish line and saw that I'd run around 2:41, I was um. I was really, I was really stoked because yeah. um, I didn't have the, I didn't have the complete race that I had, but I had the run that I'd trained for. So the run that I knew I could, and and just the confidence that comes from that, and also just being able to plan my my future around knowing that I can get to that level, and um, yeah, get to that, you know, that I can win that race because I can can run like that. So I've just got to see how the bike goes, but you know. Crowley's won that race two years in a row just from being the best runner, so you know I've got a chance. I think. <laughs> in a way, was it a bittersweet kind of feeling after the race? Because obviously, what happened in, in the draft and that, you know, like yeah. I'm sure you must have gone through yeah. every what if. Like I know the condition that changes the whole race for you once you get that draft happening, and, and maybe you wouldn't have ran as fast because you might have biked faster and all the rest of it. But surely after yeah. the race, you, you had to go through, you know, what could have happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a little bit of that. I mean, I, I guess I didn't think too much about what could have happened. And people have said, "Oh, look, you would have been fifth if you were four minutes quicker and yeah. stuff like that." But yeah, the same as you say, I, I might have biked a bit harder and more evenly yeah. um, if I'd stayed with the pack and hadn't got the penalty. And you know, I might have run I might have run slower because I was a bit more tired, or I might have run faster because I was yeah. actually racing for the for the for the top three positions kind of thing yeah. um but yeah when i when i crossed the line and sort of thought you know i had the run that i knew i could have um yeah I, there were tears it was it was the, the emotion hit me and just gave jamie a big hug and and just let out a few tears of frustration and um disappointment but it wasn't so you know there, there's a little bit of anger in there but it was more just um frustration because you know i, I was in the wrong position that allowed me to get that penalty in the first place yeah. so it was a harsh penalty but you know there's there's always a reason why you get a penalty and um yeah very harsh but it's just the way it is i've learned my lesson i'll have to be a bit more brutal when i'm passing people and when i'm pulling in in front of people and uh, just be a bit more careful of when i'm going to go past people as well and and um Try and be a bit stronger on the bike next year. <laughs> when you saw you had the two forty one, yeah, yeah, true. When you when you uh, had the two forty one, did you realise you had the fastest split of the day? Or yeah, as soon as I crossed the line, the um, commentator actually said, and and he's he's just run two forty one oh six, and you know at the moment that's the fastest in the top ten, and um, and I was like, oh, two forty one, that that's awesome, you know, yeah, really yeah. good, and. Uh, and then later on, people are telling me oh, I've just been my mate, a friend from LA, was staying with me as well, and he was like, "Mate, I've been I've been researching, and looks like you've had the third fastest ever. Only Mark Allen and Dave Scott ahead of you." And um, so that started to sink in that okay, I have done something. I, I've added a little piece of history to the race, and that's the way I look at it. That it wasn't it wasn't the finish, the podium finish that I was after this year, but. Um, yeah, but I still added something to the history of the race, and uh, and did my did my little bit to to get some credibility from that race, and um, something to something to build on for next year, both you know sort of sponsorship wise and um, profile, and um, 
and just my own confidence and, and race planning for next year. Has it, has it opened doors? Um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing much has changed yet, but um, it's definitely something that I can take with can you. sort of talk 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 up and take with me um, when it when the opportunity arises or is needed. So um, yeah, I, I'm really happy about it. And also, just it's given me a lot of in, uh, satisfaction as well that my training works. So. Um, I think the main thing from it is my confidence that I can take next year into my training, my races, um, and things like that. So my results next year will hopefully be a lot more consistent and um, and a lot better. Hey, so just uh, just a couple of quick questions before we wrap up. Um, you, you are racing WA. Um, you know, you've always been quite a big supporter of the challenge races. Are you still, you know, with the changes to what WTC is doing? With you know, you kind of have to race an Ironman before you can do Kona. Was that the reason to do WA? Um, yeah, partly the reason um, that this way I can do Ironman WA and get my compulsory Ironman out of the way. Yeah. Um, but then that frees me up to race Challenge Cairns, the new race in Australia next year, and Challenge Roth next year, um, and then just Hawaii. So um, the other main reason is that the um, my wedding's in you know end of December, so I'm not gonna. It wouldn't make sense to take a big break after Hawaii. Yeah. Um, do nothing two months and then start training through December, January when I'm on honeymoon and yep. wedding planning and things. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of reasons, but it's probably going to work out well. I, I hope if I can put in three solid weeks of training now, because um, I haven't really done any solid training yet since Hawaii. Um, been, been a bit crook. I got crook after the party in Hawaii, and then I got crook after the party in Noosa. Um, so I'm really not cut out. I'm not cut out for that party stuff. You're, you're a bit off as an athlete, mate. Hey, um, so yeah, you, 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 they've kind of used you quite a lot in the PR for uh, Challenge Kins. Yeah, just, just curious, what you think the field's going to be like? Because the prize money's bloody awesome, mate. Like, do you, do you think it's going to draw a pretty yeah. decent field? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as you saw, sort of at the Abu Dhabi race, um, they put up what was it? I think it was fifty grand for the win. Yeah. Um, and they that pulled a big field of guys and there was actually a lot of Australians there um, funny enough that, that thought they'd have a crack at it and um, yeah and a few Europeans and everyone but I mean this is going to be I think the winner's going to get um, 20,000 euro yep. so you know this, and this is Ironman distance as well so um, yeah it's definitely going to draw a big field of um, elite Australians and um, you know the Kiwis Cam Brown's interested and um Definitely a few Europeans, and you never know. There might be a few. There's always a few Americans that come over to to train through some of our season. So um, you know they might be over here at that time as well. And yeah, it's going to be a great race. But also for the age groupers, it's going to be cost effective, a, an amazing bike course. Um, yeah, it's going to be real value for money for them. That um, and hopefully it'll be a big experience that um, they haven't experienced before, unless they've been to Challenge Roth or. Yep. Um, somewhere like that, that you know, just the the level of um, organisation and atmosphere yeah. is, um, yeah, it's it's very different. It, it's much bigger and better. Yeah. Hey, just uh, just lastly on the, um, the the doing the challenge, both the challenges races, they're quite close together. Are you concerned about having doing two Ironmans that close together? Um, yeah, four weeks apart they will be, and I'm I'm not too concerned now if I can. If I can sort of get through the first one without, um, you know, killing myself, so hopefully the weather's not too hot, which would be, you know, that certainly takes a lot more out of you. Yeah. Um, 
and you know it depends on what the competition's like and how the race pans out. Yep. Uh, but if I could save a little bit on the run and and um, and be out there off the bike and then just have a good run um, and feel comfortable, uh, yeah, I'm not too fussed about four weeks later. Um, the, the difference is with my running now that at the end of Hawaii, my legs were still feeling good, and that's the difference from the level that my running is at. I'm still fresh at the end, so. That was the first marathon I've run where my legs didn't get sore and I was able to run really strong right through to the end. Yeah. Um, and I know I can get that again. So so with the muscles, they're not going to be as sore as, and fatigued as they um, used to be if I can um, get back into that shape again for Challenge Camp and hopefully recover quickly for Challenge Roth. And my first year as a professional, I actually did two, four weeks apart. I did Ironman New Zealand, yep. finished fifth in my first pro race and then four weeks later finished fourth at Ironman Australia and um, yeah so I've got a little bit of experience of, of doing two close together and what sort of training suits best in between and things like that so uh, yeah no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge Great Hey I just lastly uh, plug your website and anything else you want to plug mate? Um, yeah yeah um, yeah borntorun.com.au if you want some running technique tips in, um, and lessons in Sydney uh, I've got a website petejacobs.com and, um, yeah, thanks to my team, Abu Dhabi, um, this year for, for getting me in, in uh, you know, good shape and having good support to um, allow me just to train full-time and yeah. um, not worry about income this year. So that was a big difference as well. Um, yeah, and just everyone else's support and help has been, been uh, great as well. <laughs> hey, we'll make we'll, uh, we'll 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 leave you to it, mate, and we'll best luck for uh, challenge. I mean, not challenge. We'll challenge Kins and Roth this year, but also for uh, WTC's uh, Western Australia race coming up. But uh, more importantly, yeah. best of luck for the wedding, mate. I hope it's a wonderful day, and yeah. and obviously you'll prove to be an amazing husband. So, best of luck to your wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks very much. Thanks, Iron Talk. Thanks, Bevan. Sponsor number two, extremeendurance.com or xendurance.com. Extreme Endurance is a supplement to help you buffer your lactic threshold. And I thought the best way to me explain is to read what they had on the website. So, <coughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me, Extreme Endurance Performance System was scientifically engineered and scientifically developed to systematically address the biochemical changes that occur to the athlete's body during intense exercise in competition. These changes don't discriminate. They happen to every athlete and encompass a wide range of internal disruptions such as increased body acid, microscopic tears and trauma to the muscles, oxidative stress, inflammation and suppression of the immune system. That's why pharmaceutical grade compounds systematically engineered are added to our performance formula to help neutralize these biochemical changes. The bottom line is that the product is backed by science and proven to work by world-class athletes. Extreme Endurance is manufactured in NSF certified facility and treated for banned substances by the world's largest drug sports laboratory, HFL, in a gold standard Double-blind, placebo-controlled study, lactic acid was reduced by 15% and left aerobic threshold increased by double digits. So that's what the science behind the saying on the website. But one thing I know John was talking about when he rang me after doing the marathon, you know, he just goes to me, you know what, the extreme endurance really works because after doing the marathon, he just felt, you know, like he hadn't 
done a marathon and he knew he'd kind of blitzed it and it was just interesting we were just talking about other stuff and he just there was the first comment he said was just you know what the extreme endurance really works so if you are looking for that that little bit of advantage in your training and you're pushing it pretty hard um and you want to kind of aid your recovery so that you can get back the next day and, and train better and you know perform at a better level then that would be a great way to do that chuck on to xendurance.com and you can get out the product. They've got some other products you can get on there as well. We did get a question through from a listener this week just asking how much John actually took leading up to the marathon, day of marathon and after the marathon, to, you know, so he actually got the gain of the recovery. Um, we're going to cover that next week on the show when John's back on the show. But for now, check out xendurance.com to get the, the lactic buffering supplement that will make you go faster. Right up. Next up, we've got on the show, Keegan Williams, who's a good Kiwi athlete, he started out, actually I remember he did Ironman the la- well, last time I did New Zealand, I think it was, and I was hoping to go sub nine and, and get in the top ten, and I passed him on the run, and I kind of thought, yep, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now, and then with about 10k to go, and I blew, and he passed me on the way home from the run, and he managed the top ten, and I didn't, so... He, and he went, <laughs> he went on to, to become a pretty decent pro and he's, he's done some bloody good results out there and then I, I became a broadcaster, so I think he won that battle. Anyway, uh, here's Keegan Williams right now. So on today's show we've got uh, Keegan Williams, he's uh, one of our good Kiwi lads. Well, Keegan, actually, we, we, I met Keegan, so when we went to Kona, no, when we went to Ironman New Zealand together that year and we both had a bad race. Yeah. So on the bus going to Taupo, yeah. Keegan was either sitting behind me or next to me, yeah. and, and I, you know I thought I was a bit of a legend at this stage, eh? and so I met Keegan on the bus, and I said, oh, you know, probably you know, top ten maybe, you know, so yeah, I was yeah, probably yeah. talking myself up, and uh, and he passed me in the run. I thought, oh, the crappy, and then I passed him again, yeah. and then I blew, and he passed me, and he got tenth, and nice. I remember it broke my heart. But he's one of the, one of our Kiwis. who's really been just slowly moving up the rankings. Had some great results and uh, had some podiums in, in Wanaka and podiums at different races around the world. Recently went eight twelve in Copenhagen at Challenge Copenhagen. So um, welcome along, Show Keegan. Good day. Do you remember that day meeting me on the bus? Ah, uh, yeah, one of the best days of my life. Thanks, man. <laughs> there you go. Kevin will slip you that. He's a wise man. E check for twenty bucks later on. <laughs> Uh, you've, you've had a couple of um, races of late that we've seen your name sort of popping up. Um, firstly, Challenge Copenhagen, you went eight twelve there, which is uh, a pretty handy time. I mean, um, how did that race go for you, and, and what made it such a fast day? Uh, yeah, I did really have a, a good day. There was a good, I suppose, a breakthrough race for me. The, um, the courses are definitely fast. The roads are super smooth. It's definitely not like um, riding around Wanaka. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, really smooth asphalt, which makes a big difference. And then the run course is pretty much dead flat. And I think four four loops we did. It was either three or four laps. And there's a big, big crowd. I think there's over a hundred thousand people on the course. So you, really? uh, you've always got people in your ear just yelling at you. So there's no um, no time to slacking off, pretty much. So I think that all helps. Yeah, so they obviously had a bit of a mare with the weather the um, the day before with some big big kick-ass storm. I mean, um, outside of that, did they do a pretty good job? You know, first year race. Ah, uh, yeah, it was definitely it was probably the, one of the best first year races I've I've been to, and I've done a uh, a couple before, especially with being in the middle of the capital city. I don't think they could have really done a um, a better job. Jeez, it's amazing to think they got a hundred thousand people spectating in the first year. 
Hey, it's crazy, isn't it? Nice. Hey, and then one of the other races you've done of late is, was um, Rev 3, which is, uh, that's, I think they're in their second year. And again, they, it's, from the feedback we've had, it sounds like they did a pretty good job. And, you know, I saw um, pictures, they had pictures of all the pros with their bike racks and, and really trying to pump up the pros. Is that, you know, again, <clears throat> what sort of job did they do and, and what's that race like in terms of the, the terrain and if people are interested in doing it? Uh, okay, the the swim was obviously in the in like a lake, which was was quite choppy the couple of days before the race, and then the wind actually changed on race morning, so it was um, nice and flat. Um, they could have done with a few more boys this year, but I think they're working on that for next year. And then get out onto the bike, and you kind of into the into the countryside, which is kind of a uh, rolling rolling type course. It wasn't definitely wasn't flat. Um, probably similar to, I don't know, kind of similar to Wanaka with the rolling, rolling hills, but did the road surface again is a lot, a lot better. Um, they had lots of aid stations, which was good, and the people seemed to know what they were doing, which which always helps with the with the volunteers. And then the run, run was uh, two laps. I didn't really enjoy that much, because <laughs> <laughs> I was hurting quite a bit. But the run there was fairly flat again and you get to run at the finish back into the theme park where they hold the course so you finish underneath the roller coasters which is a nice uh, nice, nice change <laughs> yeah do um like you know you, you you know that was what five years ago when I think I was doing New Zealand you know you kind of took that step up in being a pro um just tell us about that first period because we'll talk about team bb team tbb in a second but you know that first period of, of making the decision to do that was that a big decision for you to do um yeah obviously i did that first race in new zealand and i i kind of yeah, surprised myself i thought oh, i might actually be half decent at these things yep and then i kind of i started working just part-time and training a bit more and then it wasn't until I really met um, met Brett at TBB, and then I took the step to um, I don't know, try and make it as a full time athlete. But I'm still this year. I've actually gone back to part working part time. Yeah. Year before I was I went to Switzerland and the camps, and it didn't really um, didn't really work for me. So this year I've I've been at home, done everything by myself, and it's yeah, it's gone a lot better. Oh really. Yeah. So, so tell us about the team TBB setup, and you know what what difference has that made for you? You know, since you you, know, you said you made that transition, how has that sort of changed the way you train and the, and the way you think, and and maybe the, the Brett Sutton influence? Yeah, Brett's yeah had a big big influence on what, yeah the way I, I train. Like before before I met him, I was kind of probably into the typical. Ironman type training I suppose you go for a long ride like six or maybe more hours six or seven hours I used to do sometimes and then since I've been with Brett I haven't really rode over I think I haven't rode over five hours the last year and a half type thing yeah there's a lot more quality I suppose race pace stuff at race pace which um which obviously worked worked for me mm-hmm. um and then obviously with the Sponsors of the team. That's been good. Getting um, gear supplied. So you don't have to worry. It's one less thing to worry about. You can just just go and race. Mm-hmm. And the 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 training camps. Yeah, was for some most of the people. It's uh, really good. But I seem to struggle for some reason when I'm in camp. 
Yeah. Uh, just, what way? Just like physically or mentally or? Um, oh, well, Brett tells me it's a bit of both because I seem to be a bit, probably a bit happier when I'm at home, when I can work and not have to worry about cash and stuff. Yeah. And then in camp with you've got a team environment you've got obviously got really strong guys and strong women around you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the kind of athlete which doesn't seem to um, train that well. Like my, all my run sessions and stuff last year, I was doing them with um, Bella and Rebecca Keat and stuff. Yep. Then obviously in a race, I um, seemed to pick it up a fair bit. Yep. Yeah. So, and what about the, you know, the, the team structure itself? Obviously, you mentioned, you know, it's great you're getting all the gear from the sponsors, um, but that obviously eliminates you going out there and getting your own sponsors and cash. I mean, do, do mem- people on the team get paid a, a wage or anything like that, or it's more you get to be there and train with the group and you get the gear, but you don't actually get paid anything? Uh, well, there's, there's a couple of different levels of um, athlete in the team. I was uh, like what you call a development athlete. Yeah. And then, obviously, the the people higher up the... Um, Packing all like the ones that go well at Hawaii and stuff, obviously um, getting getting more mm-hmm. from the team. Um, and yeah, so you are allowed well, a couple of your own sponsors. Just can't conflict with the the ones I've already got. Yep. yep. So, yeah. And when when you're with the team, are you training with them the entire year, or is it you kind of just coming and going, having camps, and then Brett's just kind of looking over your program, you know, via email or something like that? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, for this year, me, it's just um, email and Skype contact with Brett. But the year before, when I was went to camps, you know, I had a camp in the Philippines. I was there for two or three months, and then then I went to Switzerland for another three months. So he pretty much has a camp all year round, apart from kind of October to early early January. Yep. Because well, quite a few of the people in the team need need that one on one contact. Yep. So he can obviously obviously when he watches you, he can um, the feedback and stuff. Like yeah, it's better for the feedback for him, and he can um, change things when needed and tell you to rest when you need it and. Tell you to go harder when you need to go harder. Yep. And, yeah. And, and so, what's the plan now? I mean, you said you're sort of going to step off in a, in a bit of a new direction. And what's your sort of plan over the next twelve months, and where are you heading to? Yeah. So next year, I'm not going to be with uh, yeah TBB. So I'm basically going to do the same race schedule I think as I did this year. I'll do Challenge Wanaka, then Ironman New Zealand, and then a couple of overseas races later in the year. So, yeah, I'm advertising at the moment for <laughs> sponsors and stuff. <laughs> yep, this is the hard thing, isn't it? And, and what's the, the reasoning behind that? Is it a, trying to make a, if a financial decision to try to make more money from the sport, you know, if you, if you can do it independently, or what's your sort of reasoning behind it? Uh, well, basically, there's a bit of a, there's going to be there's like a restructuring going on in the team at the moment for next year, and I'm, I just, yeah, wasn't quite part of that new structure, I suppose. So. Yep. Look for look for other options. Oh, just just about Brett Sutton. What makes you think uh, he's so good as a coach, or, or maybe you don't think that? What, what do you what, you know? Like, what, why do you think he is successful in bringing the best out of athletes? Ah, uh, yeah, I definitely think he is one of the 
well, probably the best triathlon coach out there at the moment. Um, it was probably for a couple of different reasons. He doesn't um, doesn't get sucked into all the latest uh, fads and I don't know power meters and yep. whatever. Just he knows from experience what works, and um, obviously if it's worked before, it's going to uh, work again. Yeah. Like he's been getting me to read a lot of uh, athletic stuff, just because yeah. obviously that that worked and it still does. Um, and the other thing he's really good at is getting in, inside people's heads. I suppose um, he knows what to um, what to say and when to say it to. Um, Make you work harder, or um, when to ease off on you on the training. Yeah. Um, and yeah, especially especially with the girls, they um, they probably listen to him a bit more than some of the guys. That's probably why they go a bit a bit better. Okay. Yeah. Really, so the guys are just a bit stubborn with it all, are they? Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. In general, the guys always think they um, know what they're doing a bit more than the yeah. the, um, the girls. John's John's nodding away as, a, as an experienced coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bloody men. And there's, what, I mean, what's you know, obviously he's got um, a checkered checkered past because of um, a couple of incidents in Australia that have been well documented. But is he is do, do people sort of socialise with him, or is he he's, he's a coach and he sort of he does the coaching and, and there's there's not that much of a relationship outside of the training. Ah, uh, no, no, there's definitely a, a relationship. Um, Outside of training, like when, um, like when we live in the, when we're in the Philippines, we quite often go out for dinner with the, um, just like in a social dinner, and Brett would come along, and like his wife's there with his um, two kids. Yeah. They're like they're running around the track at the same time as us. They have like little sprints for a hundred meters against yeah. us while we're doing our track sessions. And I uh, know he's a lot. I think he's a lot different to probably what the. Um, Generalised perception yeah, perception is. Yeah, perception is. Yeah. Mm. He's a really funny um, guy. He's a really good um, s- storyteller. Yeah, that's probably one of his. Yeah, one of his. Um, Why he makes him makes him such a good coach too is because he can um, tell such a good uh, story. Yeah. So, so, so for you moving forward, so you, I suppose a big question and a hard question to ask was it tough for you to have to go back to work? You know, because I know, you know, in our sport, it's really hard for people to make money unless you're in the really top 10 in Kona, um, you know, and you've obviously, you know, took the decision to, to go for the dream and, you know, going back to work, was that a hard decision just to take mentally or was it just you had to do it? Uh, it was a little bit. That's another thing that um, I sat down with Brett before I left Europe last year and he said, yeah, you've got to go back to, um, got to go back to work and... Uh, train at the same time, yeah. and then um, your performance will probably probably come back. Because yeah, last year in Europe I had a, was um, a pretty bad season. But then as soon as I come home and started working, had a bit more balance in my life. Everything started uh, clicking again. So obviously, obviously you can't train um, can't train all day, and it's it's good for the head if you're not. Um, Thinking about triathlon all the time. So and so and for you, the, the uncertainty of being, you know, kind of like the second tier pro, was is just created stress that was not necessarily good for you overall. Ah, uh, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much what happened. 
I think. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, sweet. We'll be. Uh, I'll be down in Wanaka actually, so I'll be on the sidelines um, barracking you on. And if people want to get in touch with you, I mean, how, what's the best way to do that? If there's uh, potential sponsors out there that might be um, keen to get on the Keegan Williams bandwagon, uh, they can email me at Keegan nine 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 at hotmail dot com. Yep. Um, or even flick you guys an email and yeah, get my contact details. Yeah, 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 totally. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll see you down in, um, in Challenge Wanaka, and then uh, we'll have some following online. Where did you, you get last year in Wanaka? You did, where'd you get last uh, year? Third. So I've had a second, third, and a fourth there, I think. So. Yep. Time to take Richard <laughs> yeah. Usher down. Is he racing yeah. this year? I don't know, actually. Uh, no idea, right? Yeah. Uh, no, we look forward to seeing your progress down there. I'll be down there um, spectating or maybe doing a team with our camp that's finishing off there. Yep. And um, all the very best with uh, the search for the elusive sponsors. Okay, yeah. Cheers to that. Yeah, and just your transition into the next period. And, you, you know, like obviously it sounds like there's been stress that's been there, but you, if you could take that to the next level, bring it on. Yeah. So yeah. thanks all for coming right. on the show and we'll catch up with you soon. Okay, cheers to that. Thanks. The last sponsor of the show is Athlinks.com. Go to Athlinks one right now. It's actually just on the website right now. And uh, they're obviously in bed with, well, obviously Essex is sponsoring them right now. And I've got this, <laughs> Essex have got this really cool, um, there's an ad that they've just created where they, well, go on Athlinks.com, check out the ad because it's really, really cool. Uh, yeah, Athlinks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm meant to be advertising Athlinks, but I'm talking about Essex here. Um, Athlinks.com, it's a social network for endurance athletes, and it's one, one thing we always talk about is getting your club involved. It's, it's, it's just an easy way to manage your club results, um, you know, what your teammates are doing. If you can see who's in there, then you can, you know, you can get all your club involved in Athlinks, get them, everyone signed up. And then when you do races, you can just put the race results in there or, you know, like let's say you have a local marathon, you can go in there and see how everyone in your group or in your team or your membership have done in this race. And it's just an easy way to manage. They kind of take the hard work out of some of the things that we do. And we all know that, you know, you, you'll do a marathon, you want to see how all your mates have done and you're kind of trying to find their bib numbers or the last names and the whole process can you know, it could take a long time, whereas if you're, all your members or all your mates are on Athlinks, it's just easy. You click to the result, and you can see where all your mates did, and it shows your members' mates' results as well. So they've just got, uh, I think they've got something like, yes, <laughs> 64 million results, okay, and over 108 or around 180,000 races. So, you know, the likelihood is that the, even the races, your local races that you've done are on there. So when you go into Athlinks, put in your information out there, sign up, and that way you'll be able to check out what your mates are doing, and it's an easy way to manage what you're doing. It's also just a good way to keep track of the, what you've done over the years. If you want to see your result, race results, like, you know what, if you've done a race five years ago, you're probably going to forget about it. But it is nice to go back and see all the things you've done in your past as an athlete and uh, we often forget a lot of the smaller races. We may remember the big ones, but the smaller ones we don't. And it is nice to look back and go, wow, I actually did pretty good on that day or I had a shocker or whatever that is. So check out athlinks.com. It's social networking for endurance athletes. And if you're not on there already, just get on there. It's a no-brainer. And then lastly, um, if you're on Facebook, uh, give them a bit of an eye like and they'll like you for doing that as well. So our sponsors are coffeesofhawaii.com. Check out the different aromas. Uh, extremeendurance.com, help yourself get faster, and then athletics.com, 
just, you know, you can see how your mates are doing and you can give them a little bit of crap and hey, go on there and check out the Essex ad because it's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much this week's show. There's a couple of things I just need to let you guys know. For some reason, over the last weeks, when uh, some people have been emailing me and I've been responding to them, it hasn't been returning. So if you have emailed me and I haven't responded because I have this kind of rule that if you email me, I always respond within 24 hours. Um, If you haven't got a response from me, I have seen your email, and for some reason or another, I haven't been able to respond, but I have got it, and we've got the information, and if you've sent some stuff around the show, it will come through over the next few weeks on the show, so just to let you know that, because I, you know, I, I kind of take pride in the fact that I can respond, or I respond within 24 hours, and then when I can't, I get a little bit stressed, so I thought I'd let you know. Um, I've got uh, my, my third episode of fitness behavior up on my website right now so if you want to check that out just go to bevanjamesiles.com and click on fitness behavior and you can download the third episode uh that podcast is just going crazy so uh that's really exciting for me and and uh it's hopefully providing information that can help even you know you hardcore athletes to grow in different ways what else has been happening um that's pretty much it really it's, it's been kind of a different show this week so we're going to be back next week on the show with the normal format uh, the normal stuff, and John was saying in an email to me this morning that we've got lots of info backlogged, so we'll probably go back to a couple of weeks of doing some traditional shows, and then get a few more interviews coming through. You guys seem to be liking the interviews, which are really great. Other than that, I think that's pretty much this. I'm off to China tomorrow. I'm going back to communist China for a week, so that should be pretty exciting. I've got to do some work over there, and yeah, so I'll see you guys when I get back from China. Now, that's this week's show. I'm Russ. I'm in. Don't train hard, train smart. Kia kaha.